All right, guys, welcome back into another PGA DFS video. Eric Paulson here with 9 to 5 Sports. Going to be getting into the U.S. Open. And, and really, guys, I'm really excited for this week. It's probably the most excited I've been for a PGA DFS event. And I just think that's because this is typically one of the most easiest events to predict. I mean, last year, John Rahm was number one in the player pool, hit him as an outright, and Louis Oosthuizen was two. I mean, last year was a great year. The year before that, it was a great year as well. Uh, we hit on the Gary Woodland year as well. Uh, Chez Reeve was in the mix there as well. You know, just the U.S. Open has been a very predictable tournament throughout the years, and I'm it's looking like it could be as well. We have a couple of golfers that are looking like free squares, kind of the classic situation that we get in a major, and I'm pretty excited for, for kind of just DFS and fantasy golf this week. It should be an easier week. Uh, then kind of the ones we've had in the past were kind of like last week was like everyone was a good play. So like no one was a good play is kind of what, what ended up being. Whereas this week we have some very definitively good plays and I'm excited for that. So for those of you guys that don't know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to run through kind of the preview of the tournament. going to highlight the top four picks in each price point here, highlight some core plays as they come. And then at the end of the video, you got, I'll give you guys a first look build. Uh, which has been pretty successful thus far this season. Uh, I should mention Rory was the number one pick in the 9-5 to model. Um, he ended up doing well. Uh, like I said, the problem with last week was that basically everyone was a good play, so it was hard to really differentiate with all of them seemingly actually being good plays. So we'll get into the U.S. Open here. Uh, let's kick it off. So the U.S. Open this week, like I said, it's going to play out kind of like the other ones have played out in uh, years prior. So we are looking at a par 70 course. It is going to be 7,200 yards, which, you know, pretty decent for a par 70 course. We got polo greens. We got bent tees and fairways and the rough. The rough is looking like it's going to be three inches. That's what's being recorded, which to me, the rough, that is, I mean, that is pretty thick. But last week we had 3.5 inches of rough, which is a little bit more thicker. But at the U.S. Open, we see them grow it out long. And then cut it down. It's going to be dense rough is what we're looking at. So for key stats, we see ball striking, absolutely key here, as well as total driving. Those two kind of coincide together, but really it's all about both length and accuracy off the tee. Most of that is due to kind of that thick rough where it's the biggest defense, but you need to be accurate as well as long. Because if you're missing, um, you know, you're not that accurate off the tee. You want to be long, so you're not losing that much yardage in the rough. And then birdie to bogey ratio and bogey avoidance. Those are always going to be key stats uh, when we're looking at a major pretty much. I right, just looking at course history. Brooks Kepka has dominated. There's no surprise there. Xander, Paul Casey, Louis Oosthuizen, all really good U.S. Open type of guys there. Recent form, Shane Lowry casually popping up there. I did not see that coming. But then Rory, Rom, uh, you know, some players that we would expect to be up there. And now these are going to be the golfers that I'm highlighting. So let's get into it, guys. So the first player that you saw pop up there was actually John Rahm. So John Rahm, to me, is just kind of a standout play. So we can see last year, obviously, the defending champ. That's typically something that does worry me a little bit. I, I don't really love targeting defending champs. He did finish 23rd the year before that, third the year before that, miscut. But guys, look at it. Total driving first, ball striking first, uh, effective birdie to bogey ratio. An effective birdie to bogey ratio, it says B to B. It's effective birdie to bogey ratio because I want to be looking at Bowie avoidance, which is included in that, and birdie to bogey ratio, that's also included in that. It's kind of highlighting both, um, but not ignoring either one of them. So it's effective birdie to bogey ratio. We saw 11th there. Um, strokes can approach 22nd. Also a key stat that goes hand in hand with ball striking. And then effective scoring, that 9 of 5 only stat. That kind of just tells us likelihood to make the cut and then also likelihood to play well it once they do make the cut. 12th there. I mean, just checking all the boxes. Recent form, 10th. Uh, 
week before that 48th first 27th you know really good stuff there 12 straight make cuts in a row he actually is ranking out as a topic in the 95 mile like i mentioned roy McElroy was a topic in the 95 mile last week uh he killed it by winning um specialist rating second and the specialist rating for those of you guys that don't know i'm looking at the key characteristics for that week's tournament okay so this week we got a par 70 course looking at that it's a parkland style course looking at that it's going to play a little bit harder the weather is looking like it's going to be kind of fair to bad and fair to bad We'll break it down even further is when the wind is going to be over 50 mile per hour winds that's really when we start to see the weather start to play uh you know a difference and we are also looking at a little bit of rain and i hope i really hope there is not a weather delay this this major because the players championship and was it the pga championship i don't think it was the masters the players championship and the pga championship were both significantly affected by uh, a weather uh, advantage. So I'm really hoping that's not the case this week. We'll see later on on my Tuesday betting uh, showdown and um, first round later betting uh, video that comes out on Tuesdays. I'll be highlighting that as well to see if we do have a, a tea time advantage. But right now, you know, John Rom just looking like an excellent play. From there, you can't really go wrong with someone like Xander Shoffley. I mean, Xander Shoffley here is just a tremendous play. Uh, so U.S. Open history, seventh, fifth, third, sixth. I mean, it's tough to get better than that. I mean, he is really due for a win here. We can see uh, top five in ball striking and 12 driving. Uh, effective birdie bogey ratio, seventh in that. 12th in strokes in approach. 25th in effective scored. Recent form has been phenomenal. That's actually the worry, I guess, with him. He only reached 11th best in recent form. I guess specialists as well. 13th in that. But we can see uh, 18th, 13th, 5th, 1st. Uh, four straight make cuts in a row. Really Xander's checking all the boxes this week. I mean, if he was ever going to win a week, this is going to be it. He needs to win this week because he is by far, not by far, he's not the best play, but he is a standout play. He really needs to come through and finally win one. And it's really signing up for him to win. You know, third best course history, fifth best stat fit. Tough, tough to avoid Xander this week, especially at that price. But I can't really explain why, like even, even Rory, I would say, you could say Xander should be priced above him. But Cameron Smith, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, they shouldn't be. So that's kind of weird to see him priced down that low, and we'll take that. Should be a safe play. Should have upside. I absolutely love that play this week. Then we're looking at someone like Shane Lowry. Shane Lowry, absolutely like as well. The problem with him, course history, not as good. 46 in the field. But we did see he does rank out first in recent form. And some of you guys might be wondering how that is. Well, I like to look at um, made cuts as well with recent form because obviously PGA DFS, Part of the equation is making the cut. So we do include that in there, but still we can see um, 10th, 32nd, 23rd, 25th. We go look back a little bit further. Two third place finishes, a runner up. So he has been playing some great golf. Obviously it was really close between him and the other guys as well. So uh, have a bunch of quality plays in the field, uh, but 12th best specialist, 12th best staff. And the thing that I do like about him as well is that I think the RBC Canadian Open would be a great comp course if we were going to look at comp courses this week, but we already are because that's in the recent form. So I love that he played well there. I love that he's ranking out top 25 or better in all the key stats that we're looking at. 21st in total driving, 22nd in ball striking. Um, that effective birdie to bogey ratio, 8th. Trusting approach, ninth. I mean, just checking all the boxes. So Shane Lowry, sure. The tournament history is a little bit worrisome, but still all in all at the price point, I absolutely love it. And then maybe a little bit more risky if you will, is going to be Patrick Cantley. So Patrick Cantley has actually been on the bad side of the weather draw in those two events that I mentioned already, the PGA Championship and the Players' Championship. So that kind of sucks. But if we look at his form, other than that, third, first, and second. 
absolutely spectacular there from Patrick Hanley. We can see four straight make cuts in a row at the U.S. Open as well, 15th, 43rd, 21st, and 45th for his course history. Um, we would like the stroke skin approach number to be a little bit better, and I'm sure he would as well. But, you know, not making that many mistakes, that effective scoring stat, 12th in that, uh, total driving, 15th, ball striking, 33rd. Uh, you know, just a really strong play at kind of a cheap price point. Like, you could probably easily go Patrick Hanley, Shane Lowry, and maybe even fit Xander in there if you want to as well. But now we're going to dip down into the mid-tier, and the mid-tier is it's very interesting this week because there's no, like, locks in this mid-tier price point tier. And that's kind of the theme with uh, majors is that typically we are getting golfers in this price point range that shouldn't be priced this way that are just checking all the boxes. And the closest play that we get to that is going to be Joaquin Neiman. So for those of you guys that don't know, checking all the boxes is really you want a guy that's going to be a top 30 staff at top 30 in recent form rank and top 30 in course history rank. And I also want to see at least a top 30 finish mixed in there for course history and for um, recent form. So obviously for course history, it's event history, U.S. Open history, but still Joaquin Neiman 31st, 23rd, absolutely spectacular there could be a little bit better of a stat fit 20th in the field so he's not making that many mistakes and that's why i point out uh effective scoring ninth that is spectacular there from walking neiman uh we can see though you know birdie debugger ratio could be a little bit better there uh still through and through a quality play three straight make cuts in a row he finished third 23rd 25th you know him and like xander are both plays that i kind of do see being in contention come sunday both plays that i do really like as well so i'm not I'm going to play Billy Horschel this week, but it sucks that he won the Memorial Tournament because his price he's priced up this high, and I'll touch on Sanjay M a little bit later on. But Billy Horschel probably would have been priced here as well, so that's kind of the unfortunate side of it there with Billy Horschel um, as price point is kind of a stay away. So for core play purposes, Xander Shoffley is a core play. I want you guys to know that Xander Shoffley, absolutely core play. Someone I think we need to go out of our way to play this week. So we're going to be playing him. And then I also do want to pull up uh, Patrick Hanley. I do see him as a core play. He is someone that I do think we should be going out of our way to play as well. And I'll be highlighting that as we go on. So Matthew Fitzpatrick. So I also think Matthew Fitzpatrick should be a core play as well. The only worry would be 55th at the U.S. Open last year, miscut the year before that, and then two really strong finishes there from Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, obviously, he's just been playing some great golf. That random miscut there, we knew he was due for a miscut. Not too worried about that miscut two events ago. You know, 10th, 5th, 2nd. I mean, he's just been you know really solid. If it wasn't for that miscut, he'd be ranking out much better recent form rank-wise. Still top 20 in the field there. Um, you know, has shown that upside at the U.S. Open has shown the upside recently. And really, it's funny, last week where uh, I thought he was going to win it until the RBC Heritage or RBC Canadian Open started playing easy. And it's really like not shocking at all that Matt Fitzpatrick struggled to make birdies in a birdie fest. He's just not a birdie maker on courses when they're playing easy. So if this tournament does play hard, that just makes Matt Fitzpatrick a better play. And I think I think it will play hard. I do like him as a pick, top ten pick in the nine to five mile. After that, we got Daniel Berger. Daniel Berger, I do like as well. Seventh for uh, event history, thirty fourth, forty ninth, sixth. Really spectacular stuff there from him. Uh, you know, decent staff hit, thirty uh, third in the field, but he's a really strong specialist. Uh, obviously, strong course history, top sixteen pick in the nine to five mile. I do really like him as well. And then one of the players that to me is just like whew, really hit or miss, and, and I kind of want to make him a core play. 
I kind of don't want to make him a core play because he, man, when he does make the cut, he's pretty much giving you a top 10 finish. I started this new stat at nine to five. It's kind of like the all gas, no break stat where we're just not looking at missed cuts. We want, we want to target upside. It's pretty much the purpose of it. Um, and he consistently ranks out as one of the best players in that. And I, I just started that like three weeks ago, but I've been sampling it out for a while. And what made me want to use that stat was when he finally broke through and won uh, two events ago. He followed that up with the fourth place finish last week, uh, 28th week before that. So three straight make cuts in a row. Uh, he is someone, though, once again, if he is on, which I think this is the perfect course setup for him, and the stats say that as well, fourth best staff in the field. He's just a strong play. And I struggle to make him a core play because a core play to me is saying, hey, this guy's going to make the cut and you can just lock that in. We're going to be good to go. I, I struggle to make him a core play because I don't think he's a lock to make the cut. But if he does make the cut, man, he could win. So like for me, Sam Burns, Joaquin Neiman, Patrick Henley, and Xander Shoffley are all great outright bets. But really in terms of like safety, I think Matt Fitzpatrick Patrick Canley and Xander Shoffley are much better suited core plays. And so that's kind of where I, I do expect Sam Burns to kind of be chalky because the DFS community loves that kind of risk associated with it, uh, chasing that upside. And it does kind of make sense, but at the same time, I like to factor in safety as well. And so for me, I might be staying away from Sam Burns a little bit. So now I'm going to type in some players here. Um, so Corey Connors, we're going to be dipping down to Corey Connors in the mid-tier price point tier. And this is, for those of you guys that don't know, this is a, obviously it updated. This is the formatting here. So we're just going off of Corey Connors data here. So it's going to be highlighting what are his top stats here. That's that's the the color coordination that we got going on here. So Corey Connors, two missed cuts at the US Open. And that is the worry. If it wasn't for those two missed cuts, he'd be a spectacular play. He'd be one of the best plays on the board like heck if you just made the cut those two years i'd be gung-ho about Corey connors he'd be a core play i'd be all for him as a pick because he ranks 12th in total driving second in ball striking 23rd in birdie to boogie ratio you can tell i've had coffee guys a little bit of dry mouth here but uh stroke skin approach 26th effective scoring 29th recent form 6th 13th missed cut 21st Corey connors has been an excellent play you know recent form ranks 7th uh, stat rank 13th, uh, course history, not that good. Uh, specialist, okay. I guess that'd be the worry. Not the best specialist. Um, th- 30th is okay, but 18th best pick in the 95 mile this week. Just a standout play as well. Given the price point, I might be ending up on him as well, but I'm just, I'm not sure he's a cash play. That's, that's my worry with him. So after that, we're going to include Sanjay M. So Sanjay M to me is just a standout play. I talk about these golfers all the time. We're giving them price point. We just can't afford not to play them. Okay. That's just kind of how it goes sometimes. And Sanjay M to me is just that, that play. I mean, he really seems a lot like Gary Woodland at the U S open three years ago, where just checking all the boxes, like there's nothing really not to love about Sanjay M 35th place finish at the U S open last year, 22nd place finish the year before that missed the cut four years ago, whatever that's four years ago. Not too worried about that. 11th in total driving third in Paul striking third in body to bigger ratio. Uh, strokes can approach a little bit of worry there, but once again, uh, ball striking is included in that, so not too big of a worry there. Uh, 64th, though, in strokes can approach. Effective scoring, ninth. Okay, recent form, 10th, 15th, 27th, 21st, eight straight make cuts in a row, uh, 10th best specialist as well. Okay, so that tells us the style, of course, that we have should suit his game as well. Stat rank, top 10, 
course history ranked, you know, 33rd, but two straight make cuts in a row. Um, and then 15th in recent form rank, top six pick in the nine to five mile at 7.6. I mean, that's tough to ignore. And, and like, I don't like, it's not really a hot take for anyone that follows golf or anything like one, that's the data, but two, I mean, he is that world-class elite player. He just, I, I think it, he's priced as low due to his like winning upside. He hasn't had that winning upside, which you could, I guess you could say the same for Hideki before he won the masters. But like I said, guys, this kind of feels exactly like Gary Woodland as a play where maybe the season had just been leading up to Sanjay and winning the US Open. And like, it, it wouldn't be shocking to see that happen. I mean, he's one of the best players in the world, just really hasn't been able to get over some mistakes throughout the weekend, week and whatnot. It's just, I think it's the winning upside is why he's priced this low. But I, I think he's a great core play, and I think he's a great outright bet as well. Um, I saw some numbers out there, like 90 to 1, 80 to 1 for Sun JM. So if you can get that number, uh, that, that's just a standout um, number there. Once again, if you can get it, I, I really do like that. So after those two plays, there's so many other like decent enough plays, but the one play I do want to touch on is going to be Mito Piera. Uh, Mito, we can see just a spectacular staff at 23rd in tool driving, 6th in ball striking, um, 13th in British bogey ratio, 10th uh, in strokes and approach, effective scoring, 26th in that, 4th straight made cuts in a row, obviously was in contention at a major already, 13th last week um, or two weeks ago. Seventh, third, seventeenth. I mean, just strong reason form there from him. Only twenty fifth in the field. That kind of tells us though how stacked this field is. Okay, uh, but ninth best staff at twenty third best specialist. Um, I don't think we have to worry about the course history at all. You know, is he a cash play? Probably not because we don't have that course history or event history. I kind of want to go off of event history a little bit, but. You know, if you end up on him, like having to play him in cash as the last player into your build, I'm fine with that. Kind of that shoulder shrug play that I talk about a lot makes a lot of sense, but he's going to be a strong GPP play as well. Same thing kind of as Sam Burns where two really strong staff hits, not sure I can get there in cash. It make a lot of sense though. I do want to touch on Taylor Gooch here just real quick because Taylor Gooch is an extremely interesting play as well as all the live tour golf guys. So, you know, let me just type those guys in for you real quick. Um, Let's go Tommy Fleetwood. So Tommy Fleetwood hasn't officially um, went full live yet, but it seems like he's going to. But I just want to pull up these guys because I think they're very interesting plays because some of them are good plays, some of them are not plays. And really, I found myself asking the question, um, like, what, where are they at mentally? And like, is that why they sucked on the PGA Tour this season? Because I would be, honestly, if I was them um, on the PGA Tour this season, I probably would have checked out mentally as well. Like, wh why do these events matter? If one, I know I'm like, I'm essentially joining Live Golf to be done with my golf career in a year. That's kind of, that's like what these golfers are doing. They know that their PGA Tour career is essentially over. And so like, why, why care about the events, you know? And really, why care about the Live Golf events either? You know, like a lot of these golfers, their money's guaranteed. So it's like, why care? And so like the only events that these golfers are going to care about going forward, maybe only this year are going to be these majors. Okay. And let me throw, let me throw in Patrick Reed for you as well. Like the only one that I love here and the data loves him as well is Taylor Gooch because before he left for live golf, he had been playing good golf, 27th, 20th miscut 
41st. You know, that's really good. Really strong staff at top 16 in the field. Great specialist. You know, he would make a lot of sense as a play. Same thing with Tommy Fleetwood. You know, he's been making a ton of cuts. Eighth best specialist, 17th best recent form. Pretty strong play. Sergio Garcia, you know, been a pretty good golfer this whole season. Top 40 pick in the 95 miles. Good enough. Kevin Na, you know, sucks at the U.S. Open. But, you know, have been playing some good golf. Patrick Reed, kind of the exact opposite. And playing terribly, although he was chalk. <laughs> uh, two weeks ago, for whatever reason, you know, he's still a good play. And honestly, guys, the whole, like, Patrick Reed being chalked two weeks ago, I do wonder, like, honestly, like, the mental th- side of it, like, he might have actually been a good play had it not been for Live Golf. Like, I'm sure he's known for, like, three months that he was going to go on that tour. And I honestly, I think that's why these golfers have kind of struggled to play well because golf is a mental game. You need to be mentally sharp. And so that's where I worry with someone like Patrick Reed um, and all these other guys. Like, where are they at mentally? And that's a question we just don't know. Like DJ and Phil, they sure seem to be fired up and ready to play well. Um, but obviously Phil sucks. And DJ, DJ I do see playing well. It's just I don't see myself going out of my way to play him or the other guys, you know. And all these guys, they're good enough. I just, I'm struggling with them. Like Taylor Gooch, I think, is kind of the same play as Sam Burns, just to a much lesser degree. Um, but it was so shocking to see him leave. I think he just wanted to secure the bag and just get on with his life. And so that, that's the worry with a lot of those guys there. And then just for, I guess, example purposes, I'll pull up Russell Henley in the mix here as well. Russell Henley, to me, is a really strong pick as well. So Russell Henley, 13th and 25th for his U.S. Open history. We can see total driving and ball striking, you know, really strong there. 34th and total driving. It's 12th in ball striking. Uh, birdie to bugger ratio could be better, 60th in that. Uh, strokes can approach, though, 2nd and 16th in effective scoring. So that does tell us that he should play well. The thing with Russell Henley has been he's been playing extremely well this season that we knew that a gradual – cool down was going to happen and he's definitely going through that so his recent form 68th 41st 74th uh, 30th so you know we do worry about that with him like where is he at if his game was in a little bit better recent form like if we saw you know top 10 finish in there and really just not three bad starts in a row i'd love him i would make him a core play i'd be good with it i'd be ready to go um kind of like how i mentioned where gary woodland felt uh, or how sanjay felt a lot like gary woodland three years ago Russell Henley kind of feels a lot like Ches Reby three years ago at the U.S. Open, where strong staff fit, you know, top 20 in the field, course history rank ranks out well, recent form is good enough, specialist is good enough. Like, he is a strong play at that price point, 7.3. You know, I think we could get away with him as a pick, and really all we want at 7.3 is going to be a made cut, so that would be a route that I could see us going as well. All right, so now we're going to get into the value plays, and honestly, guys, like any other major, we don't really have to dip into the value tier, okay? We don't. Like, I, honestly, like, Siwoo Kim makes a lot of sense, and he's technically not a value. But I, I do like him as a pick. I'd much rather play him. So a value play that I do like, though, is going to be Matthew Naismith. You know, pretty decent staff fit, 53rd in the field. And I know, like, that's not great, but given the value, given the price point, that is. 37th in recent form rank, six straight make cuts in a row. You know, this is all good enough stuff, and we can see, you know, decent stuff from his game. Nothing too alarming that would suggest he's going to struggle. Obviously, 57 pick in the 95 mile, like we don't really expect him to make the cut, but he easily could. Kind of same thing for Kevin Kisner there as well. You know, kind of just the same play. If you want to play him, you can. And then from there, someone like Ryan Fox, um, not sure where he's priced at. Ryan Fox here. So 
Ryan Fox, if we look at his DP tour starts, excellent. Okay. Made the cut the PGA Championship. That was good as well. I do think this course would uh, suit his game a little bit better. So in terms of like a DP tour guy, I do think he's a, he's a quality play that you can go with if you want to. Um, you know, I think he's went like second uh, in his start, the PGA Championship and second, and then just a bunch of top tens as well. So really strong recent form on the DP tour. I just always worry about those Euros coming off for these one-off one events. They typically do not play well. And then Denny McCarthy, I do like as well. Four straight make cuts in a row on the PGA Tour. He's really just been a cut maker, actually in some pretty strong recent form, 44th in the field. You know, just a quality play, something that gives you a strong chance at making the cut at a, you know, cheap price point. You know, it's kind of one of those plays where you can schedule in a miscut if you're dipping down this low. And so, like, say you got five players that you feel really strongly about that are going to make the cut, and, you know, some of them are going to top 10. You could kind of just go with Denny McCarthy and say, hey, I know you're going to give me a chance at make cut. I'm good with that if you miss the cut. You know, it's kind of just one of those things. Then Joel Damon. Joel Damon at this price point is kind of interesting to me as well. We can see uh, 48th best staff in the field, 50th best specialist in the field, 66th in recent form. Mike does rank out as someone that should be right around the make cut, but you know, a pretty decent play at that price point. All right, so real quickly, we're going to get into the lineup tool, and then we'll begin out of here for you guys. So I'm going to be using the core play. So once again, the core plays are Xander. Patrick Cantley, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Sanjay M. Okay, let's see if we can make those guys work. So Xander, Patrick Cantley, Matt Fitzpatrick. Let's find Sanjay. Now where, where can we go from there? Ideally, I would love to fit in, well, really Shane Lowry if we could, but that we really can't make that work. Uh, who would we have to go with? Like, I don't, I don't think we need to dip into the value tier this week. Yeah, see, like we would have to go really low there. And I just don't want to do that. So maybe it'd be coming off of Xander and going with Shane Lowry for a more balanced build. But I really like Xander this week. I, I, I do see him being in contention to win this week. So I don't really want to go away from that. Um, you know, Joaquin Neiman we could play as well. If I could fit someone like Russell Henley in there with this build, I would love that. But obviously we can't. So what we're going to have to do is we're, we might have to go with one of those players that I, I don't want to go with in cash, at least at this point. Like Corey Connors, we could play. I would love to fit in like Mito Pereira in that build as well. But, you know, something like, I don't know, Sebastian Munoz is a decent play as well. Really strong recent form from him. You know, we could go Russell Hunt. Oh, we're one over there. Okay, let's get off of Corey Connors and go to Mito. So, I mean, a pretty strong build here as a whole. Like, I, I do like this build a lot. Um, course history rank average, 26. Staff fit average, you know, 13th, recent form average, 20th, average mile rank, 12th. I mean, really strong build there, but let's see if we can make it a little bit more of a balanced build. Uh, just, just going out of there, out of our way to do that. So we'll go Cantley, Lowry, Neiman, Fitzpatrick. Let's go Burns. Um, and then obviously Sanjay. Okay. So that's over. Let's go off of Burns because he is more of a great GPP play to me. Uh, let's see here. We'll do Denny. Although, once again, I don't think we need to dip this low. Uh, here we go, Denny. So we can make that work. That's a decent build there as well. So, you know, just a decent build across the board. But that's all I have for you guys this week. Hopefully you enjoyed the video. If you did, please give me a like, subscribe. I do appreciate that. If you guys want to join 9to5Nation, the best value in PGA DFS is $10 a month. The link for that is going to be in the description below. Thanks for watching, guys. And as always, let's keep cashing.